0: Have you ever wondered why gym memberships are not transferable? Think about that. It's okay to laugh. I'm not going to ask how many of you have signed up for a gym membership and it only lasted a month or two, at the most three. Just think, Penny, how cheap gym memberships that are three months old would be if you could transfer them, right? It is the beginning of the year and most of us think about what kind of resolution we're going to make. The the thing is, those resolutions seldom last. They last about as long as the typical gym membership. We, We want to reform ourselves. We want to be different. God wants that too. But the thing is, God does not want to just change you. He wants to transform you. That's the reason for our series on how to change your life forever. There's a picture of a butterfly. Yeah, Walter liked that, and so I went along with that. But it does. It signifies the metamorphosis, the transformation that God has in mind for our lives. Our problem is, we don't want to be changed. We have a comfort zone into which we have moved and we are happy there. We're like, years ago, I was studying cultures and I asked a guy who'd been a missionary for a while in Germany, and I I said, how do you characterize the German culture? He said, Germans expect their trains to be on time. Now that's deeper than you realize. That means they expect everything to be organized on time. Jamie, they're more OCD than I am, if you can believe that. And to illustrate that, he told about this German teenager who went to the United States and spent his time in the United States. In university made friends there when he went back to Germany he invited one of those friends to come visit him and when the friend showed up he told the friend at the door you know he, he welcomed at the door welcome come in make yourself at home and then sort of quietly he said but don't touch nothing don't touch make yourself at home but don't touch nothing You know, that's what we say to God. I want you in my life, but don't touch anything. We have areas of our life that we might let God into, but there are other doors that are locked and closed, and we don't want Him to step in to those parts of our lives. I'm here to tell you that God wants to radically change Your life. If you will allow Him, there are steps that you can take. I mean, you can pray, Lord, change me. I'm okay with that. But there are some things that you're going to need to do. He does not force Himself on anyone. I have friends who believe in Calvinism and they believe that God just chooses you. And He comes in and He transforms you. He does it all and you have nothing to do with it, nothing to say about it. It doesn't work that way. God gives you the opportunity of choosing Him or choosing your own selfish ideas. And that's why Paul says, I appeal to you therefore. Now that's, that's not I command you. I'm begging you. I'm asking you. Brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Todd, that's that metamorphosis word in the Greek language. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What he's talking about is how to change your life forever. Not just a temporary change, not just a resolution that ends very quickly when you get tired of it or your muscles get sore at the gym. I'm talking about a lifetime change. First of all, how do you change your life forever? Give Jesus first place in your life. The verse says, if I can back up, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed. And actually what I was looking for was in the first verse Make yourself a living sacrifice. Now, Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross. He, was, he gave up his life for you and for me. And what he's asking for you is to make a living sacrifice. Change the way you live. Allow him to change the way you live. Give up. I said that every one of us have a choice. Most of us, by our nature, are selfish and hard-headed. Can I get an amen? Amen. Most of us are selfish and hard-headed. We don't want to give up and give in. By the way, you will never be saved until you're willing to be humiliated and admit, I'm a sinner, I'm guilty, and I can't do this. Arrogance and pride prevents repentance. You have to be lost before you can be saved. And God wants to see you saved. You see, this thing, putting Him first, that's the reason we sang the song we did. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is total sacrifice. I give up what I want. I cancel my plans. I, I invite him into every decision I make and I put him first. I do nothing without asking him. So, how do you put God first? Don, you give him your life and your soul. It's just, it's like pulling your heart out of your chest and putting it in his hands. Now, physically, that's impossible, but spiritually, it is very real. You give up your own small ambitions. You get out of your comfort zone. You recognize, I can't do this. I'll never make it to heaven on my own. Jesus is the only way. And you give your life to Christ. Here I am. Take me. All that I am, all that I can be, make me who you want me to be. He says, but to all who did receive them, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. You talk about a life change, Jonathan, that's an eternal change. We were lost sinners until we came to Christ and put our faith in Him and we are saved for all eternity. Back on Easter I don't expect anybody to remember what I preached on Easter, but I remember I preached the most life-changing event in all of history. And Amanda, it was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You think about that. The most life-changing event in all of history was the resurrection. Donna, the cross means nothing without the empty tomb. And the most life-changing event in your life in your history is the moment, Kim and Kim, that you came to Christ and trusted Him as Savior. All of a sudden, Sydney, the Holy Spirit of God moved into you and He lives in you now and He'll never move out. And it is, Corey, that indwelling Holy Spirit that, could, that does the transformation. That's, that's why the Bible says, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is Born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water, that's the physical birth, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The next verse says, That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. When the Holy Spirit moved into you, He brought life eternal. And you can never lose that. That is an eternal change that is made in you. Talk about a change that will live forever. Being born again, being saved, is the most radical transformation that can ever take place in your life. And if there's somebody in this service right now who's never done that, if you have never trusted Jesus as your Savior, He came here to meet you. You may have come with a friend. You may have come because it's your your habit. For whatever reason, you came. He came because you need to be saved. That's what He wants in this service. Hear His voice. Pay attention to His call to you and become a living sacrifice. Giving up yourself. Getting out of your comfort zone and allowing Him to transform you spiritually. The most life-changing event that can ever happen to you is being born again by faith in Jesus Christ. That is an eternal change. The second greatest change in your life is for you to begin to give Jesus the first of your day each and every day. I was thinking this morning about my dad. My dad died years ago. um, And... But I still think of him. And if you've lost a parent, you will occasionally think of them. And there will be times you think. I thought of my dad every day for the whole first year after he died. I loved my dad. I respected my dad. There was a time when dad was having heart problems. Actually, it was stress issues, and I didn't know it then. But he was told to start walking. And I walked with him. Ellen, we walked together. We talked together. Pam, I think I, I began to be like my dad because of the things, that, because of the time that we spent together. Of course, now, every time I look in the mirror, I see my dad. I look more like him on the outside than I ever have in my life, except for the beard. Blame the beard on Brenda, um, she likes it. David said, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Do you have a God thirst? Do you want to spend time with Him? Listen to me. Look at me. God wants to spend time with you. You've heard me say before that every morning when you wake up, He is hoping, He's waiting for you. He's hoping you will spend time with Him. One of the most life-changing things you can do, in fact, the most life-changing thing you can do, except for being saved, is to start meeting with God every day, especially early in the morning. Get up a little early if you have to. Spend time with God. Meet with him in prayer. He said, I will call to God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan and he hears my voice. Do you believe that God is listening when you pray? We talked in our class this morning from Acts chapter 4 about the power of prayer. Prayer is more powerful than any of us recognize and it's important to meet with god every morning and meet him in prayer talk with him meet him in his word I'm reading a book on the future of, of of faith and one of the things that the author in a survey of 2,500 churchgoers saved is to read the bible every day it's just that simple read the bible every day You don't have to read 40 chapters. You don't have to read a whole book. By all means, read more than a verse. Read the Bible. The Bible is the Word of God, and it is life-changing. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to Your Word. With my whole heart I seek You. Let me not wander from Your commandments. I have stored up Your Word in my heart that I might not sin against You. There is nothing so powerful in your life other than the Spirit of God that dwells in you than the Word of God that goes in your mind and by which, according to Romans chapter 12 that I read to you, renews your heart and your mind every single day. Get in the book. Read the Bible. Have a schedule by which you read. Read the Bible. The second most life-changing habit is a daily meeting with God. Reading His Word and praying. And I promise you, if you will form that habit... How many days does it take to form a habit? 40? 60? Depends on who you ask. But... Make it a habit. And it is life-changing. The third greatest change in your life and will change your life forever is give Jesus the first of your week. Give Him the first of your day, daily, and every week give Jesus the first of your week. Now we're not under the law. We don't observe the Sabbath. But we have been commanded to attend church. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Now, I need to to speak to that. It's It's in my notes further down. But I need to speak to that. If you're not attending church, you're probably wavering. You want to hold fast to your confession of faith in Jesus Christ? Here's the key. For He who promised is faithful. He is always faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The one who says, I don't need a church to worship God has, is, is deceiving himself And is misguided and does not understand the scripture. I've been told that. My commitment is to Christ, it's not to a church. If you are not committed to a church, you are not committed to Christ. Let's try that again. If you are not committed to a church, you are not committed. To Christ. It's in the book. Read the book. And that weekly gathering is important to you holding on to your faith and your testimony. And this is going to hurt. By the way, I meant to say this at the beginning. I'm not here to entertain you I'm not here to be politically correct. I'm not here for you to say when you leave, boy, I sure enjoyed that message. I probably enjoy hearing you say that more than I ought to. Cheryl, my job here is to be a life changer. To share the Word of God with you. To reach out and touch you. That's why I call your names. It's my way of reaching out and making a connection with you, Diane. And it's my job to be a life changer. Too many Christians come to church and never have their lives changed. Something's wrong. If God has not changed you, since you made that profession of faith, if God has not changed you since you got baptized, something's missing. Something's wrong. And if you attend, if you're a a once-a-month attender, say, Pastor, where'd you get that? Because that's the average. That's the national average now of churchgoers. Never mind the unchurched. The average attendance, Tim, of churchgoers, church members, is once a month. And if you're a once a month attender, you will never reach the level of spiritual maturity that God wants for you. And your children, listen to me, if you're a once a month attender, your children probably will never attend church. You cannot please God and not attend church. You need help holding on your confession of faith. You need fellowship. You can starve to death without fellowship. We need each other. Being in this church in a session, a gathering like this, means more than you'll ever realize. And I warned you. I'm, I get in trouble for saying I told you so. Right, Shelly? No, you okay? <laughs> I, I said to Shelly the, <laughs> the other day... I said to Shelly the other day, said, I'm not going to say... I, no, it was Alice that I said that to. I'm not going to say I told you so. And she said, you just did. <laughs> I told you when COVID started that when people get out of the habit of attending church, they won't attend church like they did before. Uh huh. Didn't I tell you that? Guess what? Now the natural, a- the national average for church attendance is once a month. I told you so. Do not overlook the term that the church comes from. It is an assembly. And you can't assemble over a camera and a TV screen. You need to be here. Here in person. Touching others. Singing with others. Praying with others. Hearing the message together. The fellowship of the church is what makes it what it is. And you need it you also need the encouragement. Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The third most life-changing habit is attending church every Sunday. You say, well, I've heard stories about people who attend church and, and they're there every Sunday and they're nothing but hypocrites. It's okay, come on. we got room for another hypocrite. Listen, being faithful in church every Sunday is life-changing. It will not only change your life, but it will change the lives of your children. What has happened is we have come up with all kinds of excuses why it's okay not to be in church on Sunday. Your children see that, folk. You hear me? Your children see that. And your excuses will be multiplied by ten in their lives. Church is important. You need to be there. Then, give Jesus the first of your finances. I know, that's not popular preaching. But I would be cutting you short if I didn't tell you that when Brenda and I learned to tithe, it transformed, uh, transformed our lives. I grew up in a church where they didn't teach tithing. I saw my parents give. I saw other people drop something in the offering plate. Now, I never did what Bill Cosby said they did. Bill Cosby said they put scotch tape on their fingers, and when the offering plate came around, they used the scotch tape to take it from the offering plate. <laughs> Never did that. But neither did I tithe. And when we got married, we were living there in Alabama and attending Zion Missionary Baptist Church. They would come up with projects and we were really good at giving to projects. We bought a couple of pews for that church. My dad pulled me aside and said, well, you're, you're doing really good at giving special offerings. Why don't you give every week? And I'm thinking, well, I do put something in the offering plate, plate every week. But I'd never, Dennis, I'd never been taught to tithe till I surrendered to preach. Went to seminary. And now everybody's talking about tithing. Well, hello, our income was like $50 a week. How do you live on $50 a week. Well, it involves a lot of beans and weenies. That's back when weenies were not real meat and were real cheap. When we started tithing, it changed our lives. And re- learning to really give to God. Listen, you can't outgive God. And if you haven't learned that yet, you need to learn the beauty of tithing to God. Give Him back. The Bible says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, that much of the verse is important. It's more important... You can't take your money with you. I used to say I'd never seen a hearse with a trailer behind it. <laughs> About two years ago, I saw a hearse pulling a trailer. That just that blew that illustration out of the water. I don't know what was in, I don't know, Alan, why they were pulling a trailer behind a hearse. But it was not because of the dead man that was in the hearse that he was taking anything with him. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Are you investing in heaven? And that's what he's talking about. Lay up some treasure in heaven. Give to God. Give to your church. Give to missions. But here's the key. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You want to know whether God is really first in your life? Take a look at your checkbook. Look at your calendar and look at your checkbook. And I can tell you whether God's really first in your life or not. Listen, God doesn't need your money. You can be mad at me about preaching about money. Please understand, God will get by without your money. He says He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Somewhere along the way, Kelly, I realized he even owns the hills that the cattle are on. He owns it all. It's all his. It's not that he needs your money. What it really means is he wants your heart. And money determines where your heart is. If God does not have your finances, then he does not have your heart. And being against giving to the church is an indication of a heart problem. God wants your heart. The fourth most life changing lesson is learning to tithe to your church. He said, Paul said, do not be conformed to this world. And what he's saying is get out of your comfort zone. I don't want to change. I like the way I am. I, don't want, I want you to not touch nothing. Don't touch my life, my plans, my desires. I don't want to change. But God wants to not just change you. He wants to transform who you are and what you do. Be transformed, allow God to drastically change you forever. Looking at each of you this morning, I know almost everyone here. I'm glad for guests who are here and that I don't know, and you're, you're very welcome. But here at the beginning of 2023, what is it that God needs to change in your life? I, Don't talk with me about you want to lose weight. Don't talk with me about you want to look like... Well, I don't know who to say. I'd date myself if I did. Don't talk with me about superficial changes. Let's talk about transformation. What part of your life... Listen to me. Do you need to unlock the door and let Jesus in. Maybe it has to do with forgiveness. Maybe it has to do with investing in heaven. Maybe it has to do with being more faithful. I've given you four things today that are life-changing. And if you make them a habit, it will change your life forever. But I can't speak to every one of your needs. I don't know. But God does. He knows the heart change that you need to make. And what I pray for this morning is a movement of the Spirit of God walking through this room, chair to chair, heart to heart, that the Spirit of God would speak to you and you would know what God wants from you. And you would do it. Change your life forever let's stand together if there is a change that you need to make and you know something's wrong there's something that you need to deal with you want to pray here at the altar you feel free to come and pray with or without me with or without Todd this altar is open and it's been a long time since we had a bunch of people on their knees at the altar should have happened long ago. What is it that God is speaking to your heart about? What change does He want to make? Do you know Jesus? If you've never been saved, this is the hour. This is the time. This is the place. In this moment, give your life, your soul, to Jesus. Father, I thank You for Your Word, for the conviction of Your Spirit. And I pray that in this moment, even while I'm praying, that there would be those that would come to this altar. Either that they would come and pray or that they would want me to pray with them. But Lord, move in our hearts. Move in our church. Change lives. Help us to be a life-changing church. Help us to see lives changed. Lord, not to my glory, not to our glory, but to yours. You are the change agent. You are the one that brings transformation. And I pray for that transformation to take place. In Jesus' name, amen.